Dearly beloved, we have gathered here in the sight of God and all these witnesses to unite John Joel Jacobson and Kelsey Hickman in the sacred bonds of holy matrimony. We have all gathered here to support them, and today we experience the joy not of two people only, but of a whole community joining together to bless and launch this couple in their new life. John, Joel, and Kelsey, it's appropriate that you come to this moment with a sense of gravity, even awe, because you will walk away from this altar forever changed from the people who came. You don't know how you will be changed, all the challenges you may face, the hardships which may test your love and commitment, but you know you will be transformed. A thousand options are wiped from the table with the simple choice you make tonight. You're deciding for only one option, the success of this covenant, no matter what it takes. You will abandon your independence here at this altar, the selfishness that precludes unity, the fears that disallow trust. But you will also leave behind the wistful hopes of the lonely heart, the prayers and longings for a companion. For now, in some small measure, your faith becomes sight, your dreams a hand to hold, your love a beloved to cherish. Admittedly, there's more to learn about your partner than what you already know. To love at all is to risk. To love unreservedly is to risk everything. But you are not betting on your infallibility, nor your partner's capacity to idolize and worship you all their days. You are not even staking your faith solely on their sincere efforts and commitments to do good to you. No, tonight you're hanging your hopes on the word and plan of someone much greater who does see the end from the beginning, whose love never falters, and whose presence will never leave you nor forsake you. In short, we believe that it is what God has joined together that no man can ever separate. And each of you has expressed not only personal infatuation or even deep fondness and love for the other, but you have confessed a conviction that God has brought you together and sanctioned this union as his abiding will for your lives. Now your commitment to each other becomes an act of faith in the God who instigated this love in your hearts. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. The word of the Lord from the Apostle Paul says, the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he be not far from any one of us, for in him we live, move, and have our being. John, Joel, and Kelsey, 
This scripture shows us that God intervenes to guide where we live and to set the boundaries of our habitation, all to provoke us to seek him and perhaps find him. Consider the guidance of God throughout your personal histories, which has brought you to this juncture tonight. It was the providence of God prompting your great-great Jewish grandfather, John Joel, to leave Russia at the turn of the last century and start a new life in the harsh climate of North Dakota. Four years he worked alone in America, saving up passage fare for his wife and children to join him. All who remained in his Russian Jewish community would perish in the Soviet purges that soon followed. And was it not the providence of God which guided your maternal great-grandfather's escape from Nazi detention and his subsequent flight to the rural mountains of southern France where he and his wife worked as shepherds and woodcutters, camping in abandoned barns to evade the Gestapo? They would finally make a new life in America also. And in 1974, when a 28-year-old Jewish man found himself disaffected by social politics, let down by tradition, despairing in his life's efforts, was it not the saving hand of God that guided him into a chapel in the ghetto slums of 1970s Manhattan? There he would grope for and find the presence and power of his maker for the first time. There at his side was a six-year-old girl feeling a hope she'd never tasted before, seeing her dad filled with a love and power beyond her comprehension. She would go back and tell her unbelieving mother, still living in a Catskills commune, about what daddy had experienced and about these people and their God. That six-year-old girl was your mother, John Joel. Though your grandparents were separated at the time, she would sing to her mom the cheerful songs she'd learned in the Manhattan Chapel. In time, your grandmother came for a visit and the family was reunited. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing, in the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces, every minute, every moment, where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know it or couldn't see it, there was Jesus. Kelsey, in 1900, the worst natural disaster in American history surged ashore onto Galveston Island, claiming the lives of 6,000 Texans. By 5.15 p.m., the hurricane winds were gusting up to 100 miles per hour. By 6.30, a wave crashed over the island, submerging the whole city in up to 15 feet of water. An eyewitness reported, it seemed as if the end of the world had come. Galveston's fire chief, Ernest P. Wagner, rushed out into the storm to see how he could help. But the current was so strong it caught and carried him across the street. He couldn't even reach his house until the next morning. He later recounted to his family, quote, when daylight, when daylight came, we went back home. I found Mother's house on Avenue K loaded with people. Mother baked 400 biscuits as over 400 people were in the house. It was the only house standing on the waterfront and west of the island. Kelsey, that fire chief, Ernest Wegner, was your great-great-grandfather. 
Our God, who sees the end from the beginning, who appoints the boundaries of our habitation and the exact places of our dwelling, he could see you standing here at this moment tonight. He could envision this Jewish grandchild of refugees and this Texas granddaughter of survivors coming together, joining forces to serve in a purpose and cause beyond the scope of their minds or even the experience of their individual lives. There was Jesus on the mountains in the valleys. There was Jesus in the shadows of the alleys. There was Jesus in the fire, in the flood. There was Jesus always was, always is, always will be. In 2015, our community in Central Texas was prepping for its annual Thanksgiving festival where it often accommodates more than 20,000 people. But as that date on the calendar drew near, so did our worries and fears. The weather forecast told of thunder and rain. We prayed and prayed some more. But though God always, but though God always hears our prayers, He has ways of answering them that far surpass our requests. Cold, miserable rain persisted throughout the fair. Our attendance dropped lower than in decades. But God is more concerned with people than festivals. Kelsey, you had met and befriended folk from Homestead down in Fredericksburg, and they had invited you to the fair, but you couldn't get off work that weekend, so God rained us out. (laughs) Yet because of the rain, we did something we'd never done before nor since. We put on the fair for a second weekend, and you were able to come. Your dad told us Monday night he sees now that was a divine intervention. You recently explained how in that visit you observed the joy and behavior of the children, the love and closeness in relationships. You drove away and caught yourself crying alone in your truck, feeling strangely homesick for a people and a place you barely knew. You were going through a difficult season then But God was ordaining the places of your dwelling. He was guiding you home. You see, it was worth getting rained out that fair because you're here. And you brought your children and introduced us to your kind family. Sometimes God doesn't do just what we ask. Sometimes he doesn't give us what we want. He gives us what we need. You've said that it was a dark and painful season in your life but sometimes God uses storms to turn us toward the light. For this soul who needs amazing kind of grace, for forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay, I'm not perfect, so I thank God every day there was Jesus. John Joel, though you were born in the context of this community, yet you sojourned in the world of selfishness and sin yourself. You even tried living in both worlds for a time, But in your late teens, you wrote a writing in which you made a very blunt statement. Here's you in your own words. Quote, I have come to realize that in this world, only immigrants succeed. You were tapping into the truth that apathy and complacency are incompatible with a meaningful life. It was the psalmist who said, blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. And the apostle Peter also said, We are strangers and aliens in this world. To be an immigrant is to migrate, to move, to never settle in the dregs of selfish apathy, 
And more than just a geographical journey, the venture we undertake is a path from faith to faith. That is, hearing from God today, walking it out tomorrow until we hear from him again. The man and woman standing here tonight don't already possess in themselves everything, they will, everything that will be needed to make it to the finish line. But grace is not given in one lump sum. We cannot download all the love for a lifetime in a single moment. But just ahead of every new challenge, God will provide all your needs according to his riches in store. God has a knack for giving us gifts that we can't enjoy without his help. You won't make it without him, but you're undefeatable with him. Tonight we see paths from worlds apart converging, and this convergence, this unity between you two will not materialize automatically. Don't expect it to. Remember, selfishness is incompatible with selfishness. It is mutually exclusive. Something or someone besides self must become the center of each life if unity would ever be possible. But it is possible. It's even visible in the lives of countless others surrounding you tonight. At the start of every marriage, hearts fill with hope. Hope for the future, hope for the unity that would prevail amidst life's perturbations, hope for the love that would never fail between committed hearts. But all too often in our world today, those hopes are disappointed, tossed by the upheavals of so-called real life, trampled by the madness of selfish wants. But Paul, in the fifth chapter of Romans, tells us of a kind of hope that never disappoints. Is that even possible? He says, and I quote, hope does not disappoint us because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Love gets done what hope only wishes for. Hope is no better than wishing on a lucky star until you receive from God the kind of love that would impel you to strive and serve and behave in such a way as to produce and realize the ideals you wish for. When the desire to give yourself in love service prompts your heart to act, it is like putting shoes on your hopes, putting gloves on your wishes, as God through you begins to build and create in the world those, those dreams presently seen only in your mind's eye. Yes, God is the builder and maker, but as Paul said, we are his fellow workers. Let me repeat, Paul is suggesting that hopes can be satisfied because God, through his spirit, deposits a get-it-done kind of love into our hearts. Love accomplishes what hope can only cross its fingers for. We can pine away all our lifetimes wishing on a hope and blaming its disappointment on God or anyone else, or we can set our love in motion, in service, activate our wishes, and hope will never disappoint. So you can uncross your fingers and clasp your right hands. You can stop gazing at the stars and look each other in the eye and promise to never let your hopes be without love, active, working, serving love. And tell each other this hope will never disappoint because God's love has been poured out in my heart for you 
by his Holy Spirit. And I choose to never let that love grow lifeless and cold. I choose to make whatever change I must, pay whatever price it costs, and do whatever it takes to become what you need, what we need to be one, and to succeed in God's love. Blessing buried 